Welcome to the Creative Baggage Podcast. I'm your host, Serena. And I'm Justin. We're here to unpack our creative baggage, share innovative ideas, and help you build a fulfilling creative career. Today's episode features a special guest. My name is Yue. I am a founder of Space Notes, a tech startup focused on building the best online music learning experience. I do come from the classical world. I play piano. And I spent a few years practicing law in San Francisco. Yeah, so we kind of met on on Clubhouse back in the day. I feel like season four was really our Clubhouse season, but you've <laughs> made it on to season five. And it was kind of during both of our major life changes where I was getting ready, or I had finished school, I was getting ready to move to Paris. And at that time, you were kind of deciding whether or not to leave your job. So... I guess we bonded over that feeling of uncertainty and also just like connected a lot over the phone. And we didn't actually meet in person until this past summer <laughs> in London, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, um, but you did meet my friends before that. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I would love to hear about kind of your your musical journey before um, you you know, started with law and then also, you know, what made you want to come back into the music world? Yeah, so I started music really, really young. Um, it was the 90s in China. And like, I think um, everybody was putting their kids into piano lessons. Um, and there are many reasons behind that. I think one of them is that like for the first time parents could in China because it had been a uh, relatively poor country. People did not have the ability to do that. So I think for my parents' generation, they really wanted kid, their kids to experience what they could not. Um, and then we came to the U.S. and I started to spend more time practicing. I did the very like traditional, like you start going to competitions and all, master classes and all those things all the way through end of high school. Um, and at that point, I didn't really see a path forward for myself in music, but it was also because I didn't totally understand all the possibilities there were. Um, and so I went on and I explored other things. I was an econ poli sci major in college. I eventually did some things in the politics world and then went to law school, which is kind of a natural progression. And then I was practicing law for two years and I was looking ahead at my career and I thought, okay, so for the next five to 10 years, what's the thing I want to build expertise in? And what's the thing that I would be excited to work on? And there are many ways you approach this problem, but the one that kind of um, helped me make the jump in the decision was to look backwards and look at the things that really um, resonated with me throughout my life and that I kept coming back to. And for me, actually, in particular, it was music, but it was music education. I had great teachers that continued to be um, mentors in my life, but I took away lessons from music that um, helped me in school and in work. And on top of that, I've taught throughout the years. Um, I did pick up a second instrument during law school and played in local orchestras because it's a little bit harder if you're a pianist, but if you play cello, then it's a bit easier. And so I never really left in that sense. 
Um, it was always a part of my life and it was something that I always held on to. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe there's a path here. And I, so I um, came up with the idea for Space Notes. Hmm. And we've talked a lot um, just in our own phone calls about, um, you know, our own teaching experiences and also how mm-hmm. our teaching experiences are informed by our own learning experiences from when we were students. What are your biggest takeaways in terms of, you know, what you got from your teachers that you definitely want to give to your students and what from your own upbringing as a musician do you want to that you would want to change for the next generation? The thing that's top of mind for me every time I walk into a lesson is I think about interest more than anything else. Um, And the reason is if they have interest and they're excited to make progress, everything is very easy in in many ways. Like you're not going to stress about if they're going to come to the next lesson prepared and have made progress. And right, that's like a major, major pain point, I think. And yeah, some weeks are going to be better than others. But I think it makes a huge difference when they know that, okay, this is something I, I want to do. And maybe I had an off week, but like, I'm still happy to be here. And that was the feeling I always had towards uh, my lessons. Like I always wanted to go to lesson. Um, even on the weeks where I'm like, man, this was not a good week. I will still show up. I was never like, oh, I don't want to go today. And that is the feeling that I would like students to have. Like, even if it was like, sometimes they'll say, hey, it wasn't a great week. And I'm like, that's okay. Let's work through it. And that really should be the relationship, right? Like, it's not, I'm not here to say, like, we're here to learn together in many ways. Right. Because I do also like whenever we're learning something that maybe I have learned where sometimes students learn songs that I have not like really studied. Right. That's happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is a learning experience for me, too, because I also see like the, them having that experience and see it kind of through their their eyes. And that's very interesting because it's been quite a few years for me. It's been actually a couple of decades for me. <laughs> Yeah. No, and and honestly, sometimes students are way more hard on themselves than you really are on them. Like there is that kind of like stereotype of like the strict teacher. Um, I feel like Mm -hmm. especially on piano, that tends to be the like, you know, the thought that comes to mind when you when you think of like childhood piano lessons for a lot of people. But really, like, what I find with my students is they'll come in, they're like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, I didn't practice this week. I had all these things. And I'm like, that's okay. Like, as long as you bring yourself to this lesson and we work on stuff together, you're going to get better anyways. And it's totally fine if it doesn't sound perfect. But I've actually had a lot of students who battle, like, have this internal battle of like, oh, like, I didn't practice enough, so it wasn't good enough. And then they spend the whole lesson worrying about not being good enough. And then they don't actually get out of the lesson what they could if they were just, you know, accepting of the fact that they um, aren't where they want to be, but can be in the future and can work towards that. So it's it's definitely something, I feel like that's like kind of a new, new age teaching thing that's evolving over time because it did used to be like okay you have to come to the lesson prepared and and we learned that in school too like oh you have to have done your homework you have to do this you have to do that 
So I feel like sometimes we carry the baggage from other parts of our education into our music lessons as well. Yeah. And I think the perception maybe totally hasn't changed, especially on the parent side. Mm. Like I have parents that says, what's your expectation sure. around practice? <clears throat> and um, or tell me that I, I, they should be practicing this much, this much a day. And I feel like sometimes it's pulling teeth to get them to practice. And I'm like, I'm just not that stressed about them practicing because they're making progress. Like at the end of the day, like they're kids. And for most kids, this is just a part of their life. Mm. And the most important part is that they learn it and they keep it with them throughout their life and they want to keep exploring it, mm -hmm. right? And if the goal becomes, I want to make this my career, that's fantastic. But that is not the goal I walk into lessons with. The expectation is that you progress. I think the expectation is for sure there because right. I do think the teacher has to bring some expectations. Um, but like... It, that's not the my piano teacher always said that's not the point of it and i remember like he said hey i know a lot of doctors and lawyers who are fantastic pianists mm -hmm. and i never really understood what he meant by that until i became the lawyer that was a pianist right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no my teacher in high school has said that to me too and i think that's a really healthy mindset but it is funny how many you know parents and students who despite knowing or choosing not to go into music ahead of time, like they already know that they probably want to major in something else in college or their parents know that they aren't really going to do music, that they still push for like a, a feeling of rigidity, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed that more in my peers growing up, but um, in my current generation of students, I feel like their parents are very open to whatever they want to do, which I think is really cool. Um, like, I think the parents really do inform how the teacher operates in a, in a way, because as much as like you want to go off of the student, when they first sign up for lessons, the impression is based on what the parents tell you. And, and like your communication with younger students is always through their parents. So like, I think sometimes depending on what the parent wants for their kid, you end up having to cater to that, whether or not you agree. Um, and so like for my current students, I'm really, really grateful that their parents are just, you know, there for their kids to have a good time and learn some life lessons and um, just, you know, develop their interest and their curiosity rather than like, oh, I want my kid to be winning competitions or like, oh, my kid better get into orchestra. Right. Um, I do think that the parents set a tone and I do think that as teachers we do read it like read like what the approach is and try to cater to that because you know we want to make them feel like you know we're also a good I don't know like a good person in their kid's life and add value in that way there are very few adults and maybe it's different for every kid but like one-on-one -on -one, every single week with an adult, there's not that many adults in your life that fall into that category. Like you might have like extended family that you see on the weekends, but as a kid, I don't know how much of that time is spent or like doing something with them for an hour every single week and communicating. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew up as an only child. So for me, like it was basically just my parents and the piano teacher. 
And so that is a really like important role all of a sudden that you're playing in a kid's life. So you definitely want to feel like, okay, it's kind of aligned with what the parents um, have in mind um, and that it's something that it's positive. Because there's no right or wrong when it comes, in, in many ways, I think, when it comes to um, a kid's education and a lot of it, it's just their strengths and weaknesses to different approaches. Um, and I think as teachers, we talk about like just wanting to respect that. Mm, yeah. How did you get into teaching? Um, what part of the transition of your career was was that? When did you start and like, how did you start? I started at my first job out of college, actually, um, because we were a nonprofit organization. And once a year, um, we hosted like a gala fundraiser and there was a showcase um, part piece of that. And I was working on that. So that was tremendously fun. I would go into the schools after school and then I would like do some rehearsals and um and the maybe structure was also really fun because it was just about, okay, I'm going to help you get really good so you feel confident for this performance. Mm. Um, and that was probably the first time that I realized like, oh, like this teaching thing is really rewarding. Um, and yeah, and I just sort of continued over the years on and off depending on what I was doing. Uh, more so in the last, you know, year or two. Um, and I maintain a small studio. It's not um, possible with the startup to do more. Um, but with the kids that I do have, I really try to make sure that it's tailored to what their needs are. And they're all so different in personality. So the lessons also look very different <laughs> depending on the personality. For sure. And the age, age makes a big difference. Um, they're yeah. all very, they're like very different in age. So um, that also makes a big difference. Um, and I, yeah. And they also have very different uh, aspirations <laughs> with and goals. Um, so yeah. Fun. We talk about that a lot. Just like, you know, I only have, as of now I have four students and like it, could not, I could not have four people that were more different from each other. And <laughs> just the personality, like, especially because, you know, on weekends, a lot of times I have them back to back to back or like, mm -hmm. you know, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. And so the like kind of mental switching of gears that I have to do in between lessons sometimes is like going from like, you know, someone who's like very just like do what I say and like a little bit of chit chat here and there. But for the most part, the lesson is like very centered around flute and they're maybe not as comfortable talking about other stuff to like a student that like always wants to screen share something else that he's doing or whatever. Um, just getting those different energies. It's actually kind of fun. I think it would be a lot more tedious to teach four of kind of the same thing over and over again in a row. Yeah. It's never the same. Um, they're all working on different things. The personalities are very different. There's some that just um, wants to play and um, she's also younger. So I try to keep her like moving as much as possible. Um, 
doesn't care as much about like talking to you, just wants to play and sound good. Um, right. You could always talented. tell those students because on flute, like the ones that want to play a lot, you can tell because they're always like holding their instrument to their face. Like the moment you say something, they're like, <laughs> oh, ready. you do not. I was that kid. Like anytime oh. my teacher said half a sentence, I'm like, yep, ready to go. <laughs> but then the ones that are more hesitant to play, like you can tell that they want to chat more because like their instrument is nowhere in the camera. <laughs> you can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good that's so good yeah that's you have to really be like good. where's your flute like can you go get it for me and I'll be like behind oh them gosh. on the bed or something oh my gosh damn but the piano I, thing is I guess you really don't have that because they're sitting there anyway right um but then you do see like there's yeah there's like the more eager person that just like you're you're not even done with the sentence and they just they're gone right (laughs) and sometimes Um, you have to rein them in because they didn't actually hear what you were gonna tell them to do so then they just do the same (laughs) thing again yeah and sometimes i let them play like especially the younger ones like if they're into it and they just want to try and figure it out in that moment then sometimes i i consciously like yeah i want to rein them in because totally didn't get the message but then i noticed that like she's figuring it out so i'll just give her a second um, right and just let them play yeah because that's important like i think there's so much of like especially kids life where it's like you do as you're told and you right and music at the end of the like music is an art form you should explore you should be creative it is a lot of problem solving and some people like want a more like concrete guidance on what they're doing. And some people like want to figure it out. I think both are valid. Yeah. And especially with like young kids, they're going to get better no matter what. Like as long as they spend any amount of time on their instrument, like including just one yeah. hour a week in your lessons, like they're going to get better. And it's pretty amazing to see. And I feel like it's silly for us to try to interrupt that process because there's room for, you know, like being really getting down into the nitty gritty later. But I've noticed that like, yeah. even like, a, oh, I'm just over a year out from teaching most of my students because I started building my studio last summer. Um, and just seeing the difference between then and now of like how in depth I can get with some of these students. It, it You know, in the beginning, it was just like, you know, I tell them to play something and they'll do it. And then maybe we're making some detailed adjustments, but they don't really understand what those details are. Or like, you know, I want to just let new students kind of play a little bit more and go on a bit more so that I can get a sense of how they are as a player and, you know, keep it interesting for them so they don't feel like they're just Mm -hmm. sitting there listening to me talk. But now it's the opposite. I feel like my students, like I can see their eyes light up when they when I'm like, all right, we're going to just really tidy up this rhythm, like put on a metronome, you're going to get this right and you're going to stop every time it's wrong so we can go back and like really make it neat and precise. And like, I've noticed that those are the lessons now that my students who have been with me for a while really, really love um, versus, you know, the run-through lessons. They're like, oh, you know, they could do the run-throughs at home by themselves and they do it a lot because, you know, when I was a student, I loved just playing everything from the beginning to end over and over and over I again. No practice everyone. strategy. Just yeah. like. <laughs> so I know that they're doing that at home yeah. already. 
And it's not just kids that are doing that because my dad is learning the cello and it's still... <laughs> Well, because that, <laughs> that is the fun part of music, you know? Like, I still want to yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> I still, you know, sometimes I'm just like, I just want to sit down and play. I'm not really here to practice. And that's maybe fine. Right. Because you are practicing so that you can play it. Right. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it, you're not practicing just to torture yourself. Like, this is the... And go and sometimes like keeping that passion and that excitement alive is important. Right. And maybe more important than we we really like give credit for because we're so focused on okay, how much is are they practicing, practicing? And I actually realized that like the practice goal is not a good goal. Like I'm gonna practice thirty hour, thirty minutes, not thirty hours a day, thirty <laughs> minutes a day for like, <laughs> for yeah, uh, thirty minutes a day for seven days a week. I don't know. That's not the right goal mm-hmm. because that doesn't really take into account <laughs> what are you actually trying to get out of those practice sessions. Right. Because I could play for 30 minutes a week and like either not get better or actually make things worse. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have to have conversations with students about like, okay, so for next week, we're really going to hone in on this section. And here are the things we're going to work on. Mm -hmm. And then ask, okay, so what's, what's your mission this week? And that I found to be much more like exciting for the students because they're like, oh, okay, I have a goal in mind. Right. Right. And it gets them away from thinking, oh no, I didn't practice today. So then I wasn't successful and I wasn't right. And then it's like, oh yeah, I practiced more today. And you're just so focused on that instead of thinking, okay, so what's the milestone here that I'm trying to reach to? And maybe I get it in 15 minutes and it sounds good. You know, like this one section that I wanted to do. And maybe I feel good about that and have other things going on today. Fine. Come back tomorrow and do the next thing you have to do. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Getting students to understand like what they're going for, I think is the most difficult thing. But once they, once that clicks, then a lot of things solve themselves. Like, yeah, you can, yeah. You, you know, give your students a practice regimen. And at the end of a lesson, usually I'll try to break down like about how to structure your week. But I think the difference is like, I do that every week, but some weeks we have like a very distinct goal based on like what happened during the lesson. And some weeks it's just maintenance. And the difference is between the weeks where we have the distinct goal. And when we just have like, you know, a few things here and there that can get a little better. And we worked on those because when there is a clear goal and I'm like getting a student to understand why, like, let's say, their rhythms are a little inaccurate and I'm trying to get them to understand why, like, you know, even though it kind of lines up with the metronome, how the metronome click and like your actual playing is not exactly, you know, aligned. It's just like a little bit off from each other. But once they start hearing that it's a little bit off from each other, then they stop themselves every time. But in the beginning of those kinds of lessons, it's always like, all right, let's do it again. No, it's still not lined up, but they don't hear it. And then like, let's do it again. It's still not lined up. And it's like, the moment that 
my student can hear what they're doing as opposed to what they want to be doing. Like once they realize it's not the same and they can see the distance between the two, then they just fix it by themselves. Like there's nothing that I have to do to get like, there's no amount of clapping or waving or anything I can do to get them to understand that besides them hearing it for themselves. And the moment they hear it, you can't unhear something like that. So I feel like, yeah. like for for me, I don't really care, you know, if if you want to do run-throughs for most of the week. It, there's nothing that I can say to stop you. Like, I can break down, you know, like, let's only play half this piece. And I'll tell my student, like, you just don't worry about, you know, giving yourself too much. Don't worry about anything. We're going to break it down. First day, do A to B. Second day, do B to C. Next week, come to my lesson. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, how'd you do on this piece? It's like, oh, you know, the ending isn't really good. I'm like, yeah. We didn't say we were going to work on that. But, you know. I, but it's good. It's like funny because, like, per- you, we're, we were like that, too, when we were younger. You know, like, yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> I mean, it's also, like, tough because you have max an hour and some of the lessons aren't an hour even. And, like, they're supposed to remember everything that happened. <laughs> like, we don't even do that as adults right right and uh, so it's not a realistic expectation either i have thought about this i thought that for my younger students actually what would be more effective is doing 30 minute lessons but like twice a week Mm. because um because right now like they do an hour and I'm like actually maybe it would be better if it was 30 and we split it up into two times a week because a if they aren't like totally understanding something I catch it right um and two even if it's a terrible week they've now thought about music twice in a week instead of once in a very Mm -hmm. concentrated hour and there's time in between for things to settle in their minds yeah. So I've also questioned this once a week, <laughs> one hour model. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like that probably makes a lot of sense early on. But I feel like the opposite way about like, like during college and stuff like that, like, like, because later on, it's like concepts that you get or like, you're not going to figure out in one week. And so like, mm-hmm. at a certain point, it almost m- doesn't make sense. Like it made way more sense to do like two hour lessons, like every other week. Mm-hmm. That's also that. true. Yeah, I think, I think I it, would it really, want that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, re- it really matters like where you are progress wise, because I think early on you get there's so many milestones and there's so like you really yeah. feel like you're making progress. But like later on, it's just you, you really got to figure shit out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of like you got to figure it out on your own. And right. that's maybe my biggest lesson and takeaway from music that and being open to feedback. Right. Yeah. Because sure. like it's publicly failing forward time and time over again. <laughs> and the feedback is like pretty clear, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's not, like, if you played well, like, the response is immediate because audience, people come up to you and all those things and you feel the vibe in the room even if no one's saying anything. Mm-hmm. It's... Immediate and then plus, you know, you'll debrief with your teachers and and stuff like that. But you know, like uh, no one has to tell you. Um, 
And so you just get up and you do it again. Um, and yes, at some points for me I, and for you, you guys, I think is very close in time. Like, right. There's like a few months out of the year where it's like, okay, last week was, eh, so maybe like this week it'll be a little bit better. Right. Um, yeah. And you get really somehow it's challenging, but I realize I'm like, I'm just very comfortable with like publicly failing forward. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think that's from music. Yeah, there's no escaping that. Like you, everyone's no. had an embarrassing performance in their life. It's not possible not to have that. And even if nobody else thinks it's embarrassing, like you could have played really well objectively, but you know, there's always an, a performance that you walked away with feeling embarrassed because you didn't play as well as you could have, or you didn't, you know, achieve one element of the music that you were really going for. Um, mm. But I, I think that's one of the biggest things that I want to impart on my students and while they're young, because even though like right now, you know, they, they can be kind of dependent on me for the structure and they are going to get better no matter what they do, basically, as long as they're thinking about music at all, is that like they are kind of figuring these things out for themselves. Like I'm not the teacher giving them answers. I'm giving them ways, you know, things to try. I'm giving mm -hmm. them ideas but I don't yeah. want my students to feel like I'm telling them what to do. Cause I think my transition from studenthood to like, you know, professional um, musician has been rocky because for a long time in my early development, I felt like my teacher was giving me the answers. And it wasn't necessarily my teacher's faults for making me feel that way. I think it was just the way that, you know, lessons are set up. It's like, you know, they give me something to play or they ask me some questions, but for the most part, mm -hmm. there's a, a path to follow. And, and so I was always like, if I don't know what to do, the first thing I do is look to my teacher and I don't try to think for myself, like what I want, how I should figure this out. And I want my students, even the young ones who like, you know, don't have that much of their own responsibility yet to feel like they are developing on their own rather than like me giving them new bricks every week. Hi guys, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this episode, Space Notes. If you're resonating with UA's teaching philosophy in this conversation, you'll definitely want to check them out. Space Notes is helping people around the world learn piano with a real coach on their own time. Whether you are new to music or just trying to pass your secondary piano class at school, Space Notes is a great option for your busy schedule. Visit spacenotes.app to sign up. Yeah, I ask a lot of questions during lesson. And sometimes there's the fun thing where they ask me a question and I ask the question back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, you know, and especially when I know that like, hey, you can figure this out or you can at least get started. And I always say, if you don't know, just try. And it's fine. Um, like I always say, like, even if you don't know, like tr give it a try. And if you really don't know, tell me, but like usually they'll come up with an answer that's like pretty reasonable. Uh, but I do have like, because myself, like even when I was doing law, like I would get a question and be like, oh, 
ever seen this before. But I realized if you think about it for one second, right, like a couple seconds after that, you're like, wait, actually, this, this, and this doesn't make any sense. We should maybe approach it from this way. And that's probably gets you like 70% there. And I've noticed the same in lessons with students, especially the younger ones. They're like, I don't know. I have one that's always just like, I don't know. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, she does, because she's actually quite talented. She has a good year. Um, And she just, you know, and maybe I give them like, I, I I ask a, I start them on a question that's maybe a little less broad. I guide them in some way. Um, but also when something is presented to you psychologically, like as a problem, you are more motivated to engage with it. Yeah. Um, because it's like putting together a puzzle and you will learn more that way. You also feel more ownership, right? And if some, you're always relying on somebody to tell you yes or no, at some point, actually, you turn your brain off. Right. Because you're like, well, they're yes. just going to tell me anyway. So that's not helpful um, at all, actually. Like, giving people a little bit of freedom to figure it out goes a long way. Yeah. And if you don't learn that as a kid, you got to learn that as an adult. Like, I definitely felt like yeah. with music especially, with everything else, like, I'm a very independent-minded person. And somewhere along the way with music, I was like, okay, we're just going to default to the professional. And so then like, here I am getting my artist diploma and having finished an undergrad in music. And I'm still unlearning a lot of those tendencies that I have where like, you know, like when you said you flip the question back to the student, that's like, that was my biggest nightmare. I hated when my teachers did that to me. Cause I was like, I asked you, <laughs> cause I don't know the answer. <laughs> Right. But I think like, I mean, I'm really grateful for my teacher now. She asks a lot of tough questions and and, like she expects me to figure it out, even if it's painful and it takes a long time. But it is kind of one of those things that you develop, I guess, a habit of of how you operate within a certain Mm -hmm. realm and, and in a music, you know, especially classical music, there is a sense of like hierarchy, structure, rigidity, like the best of the best are considered the best of the best, like unanimously, like no one questions Mm -hmm. their authority. No one questions that like your teachers are just like, they know what to do. And and so you do kind of have a culture of us just trying to copy, you know, the professionals or copy the people who are well-known and respected um, and not thinking very independent-mindedly or even creatively. Um, I totally agree with that. And I think that it doesn't just stop with music, like, because school is very rigid. So like, it actually becomes like your entire way of thinking. But if there is one part of your life where somebody is encouraging you to just think it through, like, doesn't matter if you get it wrong, but it matters if you didn't think it through and you continue to build that habit you'll start to like bring that into other parts of your life as well. Because this happened for me really late. It happened during the time I was actually at the law firm Mm. where every day it was like, okay, let's figure this out. Like other places, I mean, I've had to figure things out before, but it was not in the same like intensity (laughs) as it was at the law firm. And every day it was like, okay, new thing that I have no idea about. Here we go. How fast can I solve it? Um, (laughs) But 
there were a few things that were really good because I would read a lot about how other people were thinking about it. I would um, try to like look at the problem from a different angle and see if that reveals anything. And that's not a thing that's confined to law, you know, like, um, and it's can be for anything that you're doing. And that mindset is the mindset that will get you places and learn faster in many ways. Because mm. the role learning and repeating over and over again, there's some of that I think that's needed. Um, but the issue we really have with the let's just play it over and over again strategy is that there is no strategy. It's like you're playing a video game and you're just going to shoot at whatever, you know, is that <coughs> is appearing in front of you. You're not thinking like, oh, if I hide behind this thing or if I get up here, I have a better vantage point or anything like that. It's the same idea. You're not thinking through the strategy when you go in. And so it's not efficient. Yeah. I think personality plays into that as well. And, mm -hmm. and we're talking about, you know, all our students come in with different personalities. And I, I think if we can recognize that, there's a lot of potential for them to, for our music lessons to be life lessons for them as well. Because, right. you know, I have students who are afraid of messing up and, and so afraid that they just stop, you know, or they don't, they're not willing to play much at all. And, and mm -hmm. so for students like that, you know, I want to encourage them to do it the no strategy way a little bit because it's just about, you know, working up the courage to get through and not feel like the mistake is a deal breaker. Um, and then you have students who are, you know, like overly eager, will do it a million times. Then it's like, okay, well, you know, your time could be more effectively used if we thought about this before we jumped in. So there is kind of like a Everyone's coming at it from a different angle, which I think is the fun thing about teaching is like, you know, I see myself in some of my students a lot. And then other students, I'm like, wow, like your brain works completely differently from mine. So now I have to come up with a new way to make this engaging. Or sometimes it, you know, students who have the same problems as me are actually a little bit more of a head scratcher because I'm like, man, I'm still dealing with this now. <laughs> like, I don't know how to help you. But then with the students that, you know, do have a different perspective from me, my natural perspective already balances them out and they can you know, have an easier time just trying out what I say and it works. So it is like, you know, your connection with the student personality wise makes a huge difference as well. Yeah, um, it definitely you want to recognize and you can't there is this like art of how much do you push things and when do you do it? And that is really an art form. Um, and do you um like the strategy thing is very cerebral. Um, and so if you're trying to create interest, it depends. It depends on if the kid can meet you there. Um, and I have one that not that not the right personality right now <laughs> in the second, also very, very young, right? Um, so for her, it's about yeah, just about playing, it's about exploring. I try to teach her more from like use your year because I also teaching to a student's strengths is really mm -hmm. important because I realize that she's very um, creative. She has opinions, even so she's so young, um, more than some of the older kids, <laughs> like right. very strong opinions. And I'm like, okay, that's actually a good thing. Let's, that, that's actually very special. I did not have strong opinions at her age, right? So I, rec I was like, okay, that's really special. Let's 
let's um, build on that because that that we can we can um, use that to think about like okay well if you have a strong opinion then you know where this thing's supposed to go so let's come at it from this angle right mm. um, it's very clear to her when things are like not right. So all right. I have to do is say, okay, well, let's think about how we can like make it better. Cause I don't need to tell her for the most part. Like she knows it's not right. So I also, she's much more intuitive. So I try to think like, is there like ways I can, you know, maybe teach her in a more like intuitive way. Um, maybe she's still, still fairly new so maybe we do more things by year mm-hmm. um and she's like i don't like math and i'm like okay so we're gonna wait a little bit on the, <laughs> on the music theory and the, and the no reading we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna wait a little right yeah, yeah. And, and people want to feel like they're good at what they do too like even, yeah. like little kids especially you know they're just so happy oh. when they find something that they're good at yeah and they the thing is like they want to make progress. They know when they're making progress. They want to learn something. They want to take something away. And uh, like, they want to actually learn about how music works, but they don't necessarily want to be told, okay, here's a, here's how you build a chord, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's not the right framing. Um, but if you frame it as, hey, if you change the notes a bit, the color is different. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so there's a lot of framing, a lot of um, um, making connections for them in a way that feels relevant, um, that I'm still playing with and discovering. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that really landed well. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, that didn't totally land. Let's try that again. Right. Yeah. And it, and it's so funny. Like I'll have something that you know, did go over really well with one student. So the next day I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try it with my other student. Like she's also having trouble with sound. And then I'm like, yeah, just like use, you know, resonance in your cheeks or whatever. And I'm like, you know, like I literally with my student, I was like putting my fingers like on my forehead and it's like resonance here for high notes, like in your ears for like middle register or whatever. And she just got it. And her sound was just like, super open, super resonant right off the bat just by like seeing or like feeling those visual cues. And then mm-hmm. it went right over my other student's head. She's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But you kind of have to get goofy with it, especially like with flute too and uh, and other wind instruments. Justin, I'm sure you feel this, like so many things are internal and inexplicable. Well, you I, can't see I, what's going on. Yeah. Well, I feel like so much of music isn't that it's actually hard. It's just really hard to explain. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah. I mean, especially like woodwind stuff where it's like there's all, there's so many m- like micro movements, like like you can't, like how do you actually tell someone about like, like, like the position and like your larynx and like all this stuff is happening that you aren't really <laughs> that aware of, but like. Yeah. And getting all <laughs> scientific with it never worked for me. Like there are some flutists yeah. that are really into like, you know, studying anatomy and trying to figure out what goes on inside. I'm like, I, you can <laughs> label all those things. Yeah. I still don't know how to use them. Like <laughs> yeah. being aware no, sure. of what's going on in your body. I wish somebody would have framed this for mm. me younger is like, just like a dancer or an athlete, what you're doing is like highly, highly like re- 
physical. It requires a lot of like ability to um, be precise. Like moving your fingers like that across a keyboard that somebody constructed at some time a few hundred years ago <laughs> is like not a natural movement. Right. Like it's just not natural, right? And so I wish somebody would have framed like be very aware of what your body is doing. Like that is part of practice. Um, and like that framing honestly helped so much. And maybe like for someone else, it would not have been the same, but like, it's like you're on this journey and at some point you come across something and it like somehow the light bulb turns on. And for me, it was like, be aware of what your body is doing. And the moment someone said that, I was like, oh yeah, if I'm playing over here and my body's over here, that's not helping. <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> what if I just move my body? Right. I think that comes with age too. Like, I mean, there's yeah. so many things that I like, you just, I don't think you can understand. Like my teacher in high school uh, was really into Alexander Technique and that's what Alexander Technique uh -huh. is all about. And I even went and took specific Alexander Technique lessons, but I just didn't mm -hmm. really get it. it. Like, I don't know if there's anything that you would have done at the time to make me more aware because I feel like, you know, you just have to live in your body for a certain amount of time before you really like understand how it works fully. Like I, just, just now I'm starting to understand that like, you know, if I'm feeling really bad and a little dizzy, then maybe I should like stop and take a break and mm -hmm. not continue walking wherever I was going. Cause you know, like a handful of years ago, I would have just kept going. And there was a time where I just like fainted in the middle of the street. Cause I had no idea that I was even at my breaking point, um, physically. So, and I think that like, you know, little kids will do that too. They'll run around and then trip over some stuff and throw up and then still keep going. <laughs> <laughs> like we or like the you, kids don't understand um what is going to you know what their physical limits are what is going to hurt them and make them cry they just do it and then they learn that after and and so i think especially with these like very nuanced physical things it's like i i wonder how much you can learn that and how much you know some kids are just a little more aware yeah. than others at that age yeah, there's also for me, like, if they're already, it like works for them, right? Like, sometimes I'll just remember to check in because like, I have a student and he's very double jointed in the fingers. Whoa. And he plays yeah. piano, right? Like, some things that work for me does not work for him because of that. And yeah. so I realized like, what I need to do is just check in and say, do you feel discomfort anymore? Right. And at that age, too, their body won't totally tell them. Um, and there are definitely things where I can say, like, hey, you know, you know you're struggling with this section. I know you're struggling with this section. What if you positioned your body this way? Like, mm -hmm. does that help you? And that kind of thing sticks because then he's like, oh, it changes the sound. It's great. Like, that works. But beyond that, there's definitely some things where it's like, it works fine. It sounds fine. But, like, maybe long term, like. It's not fine. Right. Um, and everybody's like, it's hard for even the adults to totally know sometimes, I think. Um, also, fine so, for now, I think, is huge. Like, yeah. you know, we develop a lot of bad habits along the way. And, uh, like, you know, I spent a lot of time regretting, like, how come I didn't know about this sooner? But sometimes, like, you kind of have to leave things how they are, knowing mm -hmm. that that kid is going to have to change it later. But now is not the time, yeah. you know? Yeah, with piano, there is this um, 
principle that you should really think about, like with everything else, I think, too, like sports, other instruments, I think to a certain extent, voice included, is you need to think about the bigger muscles, right? And so you need to think about um, almost transferring the weight from, especially when you're tiny like me, like shoulders all the way down. Mm. But that's like such an abstract thing for like an eight-year-old. Right. Like, yes. (laughs) You know, so like that's not the right time to like introduce that maybe. I I think um, you can let things move along because the things they're playing is not so complex. Um, there's other issues that you have to also deal <laughs> yes. with, like within technique, that's just, uh, and we, when you learn, start learning something new, you have a lot of tension, no matter what it is. Right. Right. If it's skiing or if it's, um, right, piano. And over time, some of that tension does go away as you get comfortable yeah. as well. Um, so yeah, there is, I definitely think like when to just be like, you know what, for now we're, we're, we're going to leave that. It's good. Yeah. It's good for what it works for what you're doing now. It's okay. We'll do. We'll, we'll come back to it. Right. And I like the framing of like, oh, you you can try it this way rather than like you have to do it this way because yeah. again, it doesn't like it doesn't last, right? If if the mm-hmm. student doesn't understand why they're doing it this way because they're just following a command, and also like trying it this way acknowledges that you know everybody's different and what there is not one right way to do things. And I, I think like for me, when I was younger, I got stuck a lot in like, well, this is the right way. Cause it's the way that my teacher told me or the way that I heard some famous person mm-hmm. say in a masterclass. And so I'm going to do the thing with no regard of the result. Like I was just trying to copy the action, but I would, the action wasn't tied to the result that the action was supposed to give. And, and I think like that was a big mistake on my end, but I, it just didn't connect that doing the right thing doesn't matter if you're not getting the right result from doing it. Right. Um, one thing that I think is like an easy, low-hanging fruit for getting started and giving students like some feeling of ownership and ability to make decisions is actually around fingering. Because you, I, I would often say, okay, well, I'm doing it this way. Does this feel better than what you're doing? Is this mm. easier than what you were doing? You have another option here. You could do it this way. Which one do you like? Yeah. Because autonomy for a long time, I realized like my fingerings were like written in by the teacher. Uh-huh. And it no, it didn't occur to me for a while that it was just like, but the fingering is just there so that you can create the sound you want or make things a bit easier. They're just suggestions, right? Right. Um, and telling the student they're just suggestions is also not helpful because they're like, what do you mean? It's written like, whoa, right? It's like, let me provide you some options. Let's try those options. You pick. Right. And that starts to build in that muscle of like, oh, like I now really understand like what the purpose here is. It's not just you trying to tell me where to put my fingers. Right. I like that a lot. And there are some things where you're like, no kid, like this is going to bite you in the, in the ass. Like, tomorrow yes. if you don't fix this. <laughs> right, right, right. There are some things that, okay, the, the like, I'm going to put my third finger over my fourth finger when I that, and then my arm's going to get twisted. No, that's, that's not, no, we're going to, we're going to just not do that. You have to veto things sometimes. <laughs> sometimes there's, there's a veto power that 
that I have, then I will use it because I'm like, I'm not entertaining that. I'm sorry. That's just not, that's, in no world is that going to be a... Yeah. Or it's like, okay, fine. You want to put your fingers on different spot, like different buttons on the flute from how they're supposed to go? Show me. Like, try it. Show me. It's not going to work. But if you can make it work, show me. And then they'll play around a little bit. And then they'll be like, okay, yeah, we're going to put them on the right spots now. But, yeah. but even giving them that chance to yes. say, okay, well, try it. Sometimes, sometimes they'll be like, well, can I do it this way? I'm like, sometimes I'll know. Uh-huh. Like, uh, I don't know about that, but sometimes I will do that. I'll be like, well, I don't know, try it. <laughs> but I think, like, that's another thing is just, like, keeping the intrigue around the instrument. Like, I'm so, like, oh, yeah, this is just a flute now because I've been playing it for so many years. But, like, for a kid who's getting this, like, shiny new instrument with all these, like, crazy buttons and especially, mm-hmm. like, in the beginning when you first learn the instrument, you don't get to use all the buttons. So, you know, I get a lot of questions of like, oh, what does this do? What does that do? And so even though it's like, you know, this is like the extra trill key and they're not going to get to it for another two years, I'm like, all right, press this down and wiggle it. Like, it it makes a funny trill noise. Like, it's it's Mm -hmm. fun. And like, that kind of keeps... Well, one, it gives them an understanding of like how the flute actually works, um, kind of ahead of their actual ability to play. And also it keeps it interesting, you know, like... Then they're like, whoa, this is so cool. I can't wait until the point that I get to use this and and they remember it. And so I, I think there's something cool about remembering how like fun and exciting it is to have your instrument in the first place and like to have this mysterious thing that you get to learn how to play when you're a kid. I think that watching out for the emotions during lesson is extremely important. And it's it's important anytime we are interacting with a human is like reacting to their emotions, but especially in lesson. Right. Um, I think I, I really am looking out for or not what they're telling me, because I think a lot of times kids aren't able to, even adults sometimes, perfectly articulate, right, what they're feeling. But their facial expressions um, and all those other body language cues and sometimes like if they're really excited if their li- eyes light up like you're looking for those signals right and um and if something like you can feel it if all of a sudden they feel discouraged because they're not getting it as fast or they're feeling frustrated um and really like addressing those emotions that come with the process um right. is super key to making them feel good about what they're doing. Hmm. I have some trouble with that sometimes. Cause like, especially with like, I, I, I'm pretty good. I think at recognizing when their eyes light up and I'm like, this is working, let's jump on it. But like right. when a student is getting frustrated, I get very torn between like, Oh, it's okay. Like, let's take a break. Let's, you know, mm. like, what do you want to do? And just like, okay, like, you know, there's only 15 minutes left in this lesson. Like, you need to learn how to tough this out and just finish playing this piece that you're already halfway through, you know? For me, that gets, like, my tendency is to want to just be like, oh, that's fine. Like, we can end a little early. Or like, oh, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you can, you know, just, like, work on this on your own time. Let's, like, take a break and do something else. We'll come back. And I, I think you need both, but I have trouble recognizing that sometimes. It's a tough balance is the answer. Because, like, I do think it makes a difference 
when they know there's an expectation there. Mm-hmm. The expectation is that you try and the expectation is that you ask questions and if something's not working, you speak up. Like, right? Like quality, like there's a quality bar here for yes. your level. But I think they, I, I do have, I think some expectations that and I'm not like, well, you have to play exactly. But like students can feel it when A, you believe that they can do it. But you believe that they can do it comes with expectations, right? Um, and so I think it's just a tough thing. And I think it's just a very tight rope to walk. Um, and Learning. sometimes I will extend lessons. Like if I notice for, you know, I'll just go over. Like um, there was a lesson where I think a student was really... Um, worried about something that was going on in another part of her life. And so we took a few minutes sort of to talk about it. And then I didn't really know, like, if she wanted to keep playing. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed that when you ask the question, even when they're young kids, like, they still understand, like, I have a responsibility here. I'm here to learn. Mm-hmm. So I've generally got the response that, no, I want to keep playing. I just wanted to talk about that for a second. Right. And if, yeah. if and, and honestly, if they didn't, it was going to be like 10 extra minutes of class and it wasn't going to change their life, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But the, the fact that, the fact that, you know, in that moment, like she had a choice um, and didn't feel like, okay, well, she's just going to tell me what to do. And right. Like, I think is also... Um, really helpful for us just like building a relationship and her feeling like she can trust me um, and that, you know, I care about her. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that new tool. I think that's what I was going (laughs) to say. Cause like, I don't know. I've, I've had no problems extending lessons, but I do have trouble cutting lessons short, even if it's by like five or 10 minutes, even though like I have extended lessons in the past, but I kind of feel like, oh, this is my responsibility to like be teaching you for this full hour. But now it's kind of like, you know what, if you've, you're done, like you're mentally checked out and you learned what you needed to learn for the day, we're going to, if we end five minutes early, it's not going to hurt anyone. And like, you know, I have students too, who like will stay over for a long time because they want to chat and, or they like, you know, have something coming up that they really want to just keep working on their music. Cause there's a lot going on that they have to resolve and the timing is important. And like, I don't really mind. So I I think that like having that flexibility of like, yeah, it's an hour lesson. And as long as you, you know, are staying to that and being on time and being professional for the most part, it's okay for it to also be adjusted and catered to the day and the needs of the students in that moment. Yeah. So far, like I've noticed they know that they're supposed to show up and make progress every week. And I just don't think like it's, Right. Like if it's really early in the lesson, then I maybe wouldn't offer that. But if it's like already towards the end, like another 10 minutes of music lesson is not life changing. Like it's just not. <laughs> and there are weeks where like there's enough weeks, I think, where like it does go over. like it, it's very unusual for I think both of us to cut lessons short at all. It's more likely that we run long. So I don't think the parents are like, right. oh, my God, like, you know. I feel like and that's it just still never happened. Too. Like the, usually they just want to talk and then they want to keep playing. Right. And then it actually runs over. So 
Yeah. No, I Uh, think having longer than normal lessons is like, it's been a tradition, I feel like, in my life. Like, I've always had teachers who gave me extra time, and I really do appreciate that. Um, Right. Yeah, there's something nice about not feeling like your slot is rigid, you know, that like your teacher cares enough to listen to you after or help you with stuff after or just talk to you about other things that are not related to music. I think that that definitely is something I carry forward with me because I had extra lessons on the weeks that there was a competition, right? Like I had lessons that ran long and so I do the same because I just think like it makes you feel the student feel like, hey, I there's a person that cares about me. And if they care, like we're social creatures, right? And as a kid, like you want to come to lesson, you want to do well, right? And you want to have a good relationship with your teacher, right? And I want to have a good relationship with them. Because um, right. I, 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 they're like so young and like they're just like, there's so much like wonder they have about the world, right? I, I also enjoy watching them grow up because year by year, it's just, holy crud. Like it's the, the like as a human, you're like, whoa, like we're, we're, we're moving fast here. Oh, um, it's going to be so I mean, they scary when just, my students graduate. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, it is totally like, I, I saw the transition from middle school to high school recently. And I was like, whoa, this is like a different human than the one that walked in the door. <laughs> right. <laughs> when we got started. Um, and so, yeah, like, I, I think that just, it, it's also important because they do remember that because we remember that. And it means that when we're in that position, they're in that position ourselves. When we're in that position ourselves, we will behave the same. And so the impact, I think, is beyond that one student that you're doing this for. You're setting kind of a a standard in their mind of how people should behave um, and that we should be generous towards people and we should care about those that we interact with. I think that's the perfect (laughs) closing statement. If you're feeling inspired to take on new creative opportunities, check out our database of scholarships, grants, internships, and jobs at ForTheLostCreative.com. We've been working hard to build this resource for you, and we hope it makes finding your creative career path just a little less daunting.